Amen. He is forever ours. Amen. Thanks be to God for that. This morning we we glory in those truths alone. Thank you, brothers, sisters, too. (laughs) We had a full crew up here this morning for sure. Thank you guys for your worship. And this morning as we're coming together, let's not stop with that. Worship continues as we study the word. Amen. And uh, it's amazing grace that draws us together in this place today. It's our testimony. Now, all the songs going together this morning as far as what it is about that we are. You and I are, are blessed to be in a place to where we can know who Jesus is. There's, there's people in the world today that don't know Christ. They've never heard the goodness of, of His grace. And for us, the church, it's our great call. It's our great joy to go and to tell others about Jesus. We need to be doing that. It's not just a Sunday morning on the stage type of work. It's a day-to-day at the post office or grocery store t- kind of thing. We're taking the, the goodness of the gospel wherever we go. And we see that here in the book of Acts as the apostles have, have already had persecution brought against them for preaching Jesus, for seeing the work of God take place. They've, they've already faced persecution. And, and I wonder, sometimes we think we're so persecuted here in the United States. I'll tell you something. High gas prices are not persecution, okay? I just want to put that out there. Uh, you know, long lines at the Taco Bell are not persecution. What is persecution is when the enemy tries to come against the work of the gospel in our lives. And if there is a persecution, maybe it's something we've brought on ourselves out of laziness and being just complacent in our Christianity. God is calling you and I today to be active about proclaiming the gospel to be bold, to be courageous. And when we're looking here in Acts chapter 4, which is what we're going to be out of this morning, but in Acts chapter 4, continuing on in that chapter, we see a courageous group of believers who continue to preach the gospel regardless of what's being thrown at them. And we have that same call today. And church, hear me out. We have the same power through the work of the Holy Spirit to do just the same. We have that opportunity to bring glory to God for our good and for his good glory. But if you look here in Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 23, the believers pray for courage, for boldness. There's a good prayer we can have today. May this be our prayer. Starting at verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, By the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hands and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon your threats, upon their threats, And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Father, we love your word. 
This prayer that we've read today is, is a prayer we should model in our daily lives as, as we are in our own private devotions when we come together as, as believers in your house. When we're in the field and we're working for you, God, I, I pray that our prayer is for boldness today, not of our own power, but of your power through the Holy Spirit. Father, would you speak to us today? God, would you rearrange the way that maybe we pray sometimes? The way that we study your word? Father, would you put us on track today so that you may be glorified in our lives in your most holy name? Amen. I'm looking here and I'm seeing these, these guys who are, you know, they're just, man, they're, they've had a lot of reasons not to be doing what they're doing right now. They've already been thrown in prison. You know, Jesus is gone for that matter in, their, in, in practical terms. He's not there in the flesh anymore. But the interesting thing that we see with the early church that they continued on, not because of their goodness, not because of their power, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. In the modern church today, I believe we're really good at kind of toning down the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, Lord, not now. Not now, Father. It's, you know, we're too busy right now. We don't need, we don't need to be doing something of this nature right now. We're too busy. There's, you know, it's this season or that season or, you know, maybe later, maybe in the fall, maybe right around Christmas, we'll do something for you, Jesus. But the work of the Holy Spirit is something that comes at us every day. That there's a work that needs to be done every day for, for all we know, Christ may come back before that acceptable time that seems right to us, right? Jesus may come back at a time where, where where we're thinking, well, yeah, this is, this is a, this is an okay time, but if you can wait till the spring, Jesus, we'll do something big. We'll follow you big then. But the Lord could come today. The Lord could come in this very moment. The Lord could come before I even finish this sentence. But when you're looking here, the believers, they weren't praying for their own power or by their own power. They were praying by the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And the prayer that they prayed was boldness. And every ounce of their prayer is focused on a sovereign Lord. I want you to think about this this morning. Who do you pray to? You know, are you praying to the ceiling? Are you praying to this beautiful piece of carpet right here? You know, what is it that we pray to? We're praying to the sovereign Lord of creation. Amen. He's, he's not dead. He's, 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 he's alive. He's powerful. He's in this place. He's working in hearts now. What I think is so cool about being a preacher is that I'm preaching, but the Lord is speaking specific things to your heart right now through his word by the work of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I love the fact that, that, that this is how God works, that he wants us to understand that we don't have to do this on our own. You don't have to have supernatural understanding. You just have to have the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, and you're going to learn something and a lot of times we, we, we don't, I think we just pray the wrong prayers, honestly. We've been talking about this on, on Wednesday nights. I think sometimes our prayers are misdirected. And don't, hear me out. Don't get me wrong here. I think God wants to hear everything that we pray. Amen. I believe that. But when we have that, that, that prayer that is focused on God, that is focused on who he is, that, it, that, that definitely it like affects how we pray. That if you and I are praying today and we understand that God is all powerful, our prayers are going to be affected by that. Or if you come to Jesus and you're like, I'm worn out, I'm tired, um, I'm just going to pray a weak prayer. Lord, let this service be short so I can go to lunch. That's a wrong prayer, by the way, okay? That's not a good prayer because we're cutting God short. We're, we're kind of disconnecting from the work of the Holy Spirit and saying, God, move in us today. 
I mean, one of these days, you know, the Lord's coming back. Do you guys believe that? We just sang it. We just sang it. I pray that you sung it from your hearts. One of these days, this world is going to melt like snow. That's what's going to happen. But that's not our end, is it? Our, our end is so much better. Our end is a beautiful thing because God, in his ultimate grace, sent Jesus to come to give us a way in order that you and I might have eternal life. And it's for our good, but check this out. It's for his glory. God wants this. God wants this for his people. So our prayers a lot of times are just weak and they're deluded. But we need to pray today for courage, to be bold. As our brothers were, when they came back together, we're reading through that scripture there. It says they were released. Where were they released from? Well, from court, from prison, right? I mean, this is where they had been. But when they were released, they immediately go back to their friends and they talk about what happened and what they said. But then the first thing that they did together is they come together and they prayed. Corporate prayer is important. You and I need to make a habit of coming together and just praying. And I'm not just talking, well, let's pray. Dear Lord, please be with Brother Daniel today. You know, those are good prayers. Don't get me wrong. But we need to have specific prayers. Prayers in which we're coming together based on Scripture, based on a true heart, that we're coming together and we're, spring, we're praying for specific things in this world today. Because I believe this. You and I have a big job ahead of us. Do you believe that? You know? I, 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 look, at, I look at our church, the, the ministries that are going on, the things that God is doing right now, and I'm, I'm so encouraged by it. But our work doesn't stop just because we get some things going and everything kind of seems okay for a while. Our job continues, and what we need today is courage. We have a lot of people in the world today who are just really, really cowardly in their Christian walk. As long as, as, long as we're not given too much work to do, as long as we're not you know, given the opportunity maybe to think outside the box sometimes and think, well, I can reach people in different ways. Maybe it's reaching God, uh, reaching to God through prayer outside of this place. Some people are really just content that, well, this is the only place I can worship God. And then when they leave this place, they don't worship God. We must be a people who worship God everywhere we go. And the way that we do that, the way that we live a life that glorifies God, and guys catch this, is that we live courageously by the gospel. Are you courageous today? Is that something that you feel? Our prayers should be approached from the knowledge of a sovereign God. And I want to say this again. Did God create the heavens and the earth? Did, did God give us Jesus so that we could do what we're doing now? Is God coming back? You see what I'm saying? Our prayers sometimes are just weak because we forget who we're praying to. God is, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. I've heard a lot of people say, well, why, why are churches in America shrinking today, right? But why is this happening? Why, why are the young people not, you know, bringing their families to church? Or, you know, why is this not happening? And, and there's a lot of reasons, I suppose, out there that we could blame. But I really believe the main reason that, that people are turning from God is because they're not converted. They're not converted. They've never truly given their life to the Lord. They've never turned from their sin. You know, we can, we can do programming all day. We can do this, that, and the other. But until we get to people, proclaim the news, and they are converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, don't expect much change. We can fill a house full of people who are just worshipers at 
are just here to fill a pew, or we can fill this place full of missionaries and evangelists who leave every week and go tell someone about Jesus. I believe that's the plan. The early church didn't have a bunch of people sitting, you know, uh, in the pews griping about this, that, or the other. The believers in Jesus Christ in the early church were leaving the place filled by the Holy Spirit and bringing others to know Jesus with them. That was, that was how the early church worked. It wasn't just a, you know, a weekly thing where I come to church once a week and I sit there and then I leave. No, the early church were empowered by the Holy Spirit and understand they were under persecution during that time. Most of these people that we read about, how did they die? Did they die at the ripe old age of 90, you know? Most of them were martyred. They, they gave their life for Jesus because of their faith, and their faith alone is what killed them. I saw a post this week on Facebook. It, it says, again, back to kind of the thought is, to why aren't people, you know, filling the churches like they used to? I think at one time the church was like a very social thing. We came to church because that's what everybody did. We come to church because, hey, this is what, you know, we've done for hundreds of years. We go sit in church and we leave. And now we've got like this other culture where maybe now all of a sudden it's cool just to, well, instead of going to church, let's go shopping. Or instead of going to church, let's go do this. Or let's stay in bed and watch Charles Stanley on television. I love Charles Stanley. Listen to the man several times a week. But I believe this, that the Lord has not called us to be slack in our Christianity, but he's called us to be active in his ministry. He's called us to come forth and not by our power. Don't ever think you're going to be strong enough or you're going to be good enough apart from God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that makes us powerful. I've been, I've been preaching a long time, but I can't take any current, like, like goodness from that. You know, it's not something I've done. It's the only thing I can say is that the Lord just for some reason said, Hey, Daniel, here's my grace. And it's the same for you today. That God bestowed grace on you at some point. Or maybe today he's speaking to your heart. Are you listening? Are you going to be like the masses who are not truly converted? They just kind of, you know, they're just weak about Jesus. Jesus, I'll follow you as long as it's only one day a week. <laughs> Jesus, I'll follow you as long as it doesn't take too much out of me. Out of my me time. What's killing our society today is this idea that, well, you just do what's good for you. If you got negative people in your life, cut them off. That's not biblical. And everybody says, well, you need to cut negative people out of your life. That's not biblical at all. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't cut us off? I mean, come on, that's, that's, that's exactly what we're dealing with in our world today. Well, if, if it's good for you not to go to church, then that's fine. Don't do it. That's on you. That's, that's, your, that's your truth, right? Here's the thing. Are we basing our decisions? Are we basing our truth? on what the Holy Spirit's telling us or on what social media is telling us or culture is telling us. The reason why records of young people are leaving the Christian church today, it can be boiled down to the fact that people are not converted. They've came down to the altar maybe at some point and they just prayed the little magical prayer that just made them saved, right? I don't know about you guys, but when I come to Jesus, it was totally just world-wrecking. Everything changed. Last time I checked that when we come to Jesus, everything changes. That when you get up from that altar, do we deal with sin? Absolutely. Do we still fail? Absolutely. But I'm saying when you really come to Jesus, everything changes. Like you can't be happy unless you are following Jesus. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of prestige. There's no amount of friends in your life that can bring you happiness apart from Jesus. 
That's what I, that's my experience anyways. I hope that's your experience too. The, the quote went on to say on Facebook, it says, it's time to put away entertainment, preach an unadulterated gospel, and to pray that the Holy Spirit will usher the next generation into the kingdom. Again, what was the early church doing? Were they, you know, putting on a new program at their church? Uh, guys, get me. I, I, I think we need to have programs within our church. But the way that people are changed are not by programs or a coffee pot. The way that people are changed is that they hear the gospel and they are converted. That's it. It's not anything Daniel does. It's not anything that you do. It's what the Holy Spirit does in people's lives. We get to help. We get to be a part of it. But here in, in McLeod, Oklahoma, how do we grow our church? We, we, don't, we don't grow it just by coming together and feeling good. We, we grow it by praying a prayer of God, would you make us courageous? Would you, would you grow us together as people? And if we desire a change, but we neglect a prayer life, if we desire a change and we neglect a, a life of studying the word of God, what's going to happen is that we're going to be maybe wanting change, but we're going to be neglecting the thing that really matters. You and I have got to be a, a church that are adamant about prayer. Let the church say amen. That we're adamant about the study of God's word. That we're adamant about really listening to the Holy Spirit of living like converted people that were completely different. We're not, we're not the same as we used to be. I read through this prayer that these apostles, these disciples, these followers of Jesus, this early church, it says that they came together after all of this persecution. And it says they come together and together they prayed. They were all in agreement. They were all one. And it says they came together and they prayed in this manner. The first thing I would say that their prayers were based on the sovereignty of God. And the first thing that they pray, and I would say this is my first point today, is they realize that God is the God of creation. The, the very first prayer there, look at verse 24. What do they say? Do they come together and say, you know, oh Lord, we're so awesome because we went to prison and now we're not. Oh Lord, my name's Peter, my name's John, I walked with Jesus. No, their prayer immediately goes back to Genesis 1.1. It says that they prayed, they lifted their voices together, and they said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it. That's how their prayer started. And for me, that tells me their direction in their hearts and their minds was, God, you're, you're the all-sovereign God. You created everything. They weren't focused on prison. Catch that. They didn't say, oh God, help us as we are being so persecuted. No, they said, God, you know what? You are the sovereign God. Their focus wasn't on the temporal things. Their focus was on the eternal truth. And that's Jesus on God and the Holy Spirit. Their focus was on the fact that God created everything. And if he can take care of a tree, if he can feed a fish in the middle of the ocean, he can take care of his believers who are walking the planet today. Look at, you can look later, but if you want to look now, Genesis 1.1, everybody knows that, that passage of scripture, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that passage of scripture, but I'm going to say it one more time, and I want you to let it wash over you because their focus of prayer was based on Genesis 1.1. I know some people say, well, it's kind of, you know, once you know Genesis, it's just kind of like a historical book and you can move on and you don't need to go back there again. I'm going to tell you that's wrong. 
You need to go to Genesis. You need to understand what truly the beginnings of everything are all about. And in the beginning was God. And in the beginning, he created everything. And I really think when we're looking at that, listen, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let that wash over you just for a second. I think we're, we're to be honest, we can't even grasp the full extent of that one sentence. He created everything, right? NASA, we send out these fancy telescopes out into the deep space and we're taking pictures of stuff, right? And, and our, our cameras sometimes, our, our, our equipment that we send out there, it's not even that good of equipment. Like it's, it comes back blurry, so they have to like look at light colors and use and stuff and they determine, well, okay, this planet has to have a lot of this kind of gas because it's giving off this color. And so they, they have these artists that go in there and they color it up and they make it look like Star Wars, right? We realize that. that most of the pictures we get from NASA are just kind of doc- doctored up a little bit. Our latest one that's sending pictures back is actually giving us pictures of space and it's beautiful. But the God that you pray to is not just the God who Daniel speaks about. The God that you pray to is not just the God that we come here and talk about. The God that we pray to created all those universes in this existence that we know. I mean, there are so many different solar systems, so many other planets. Sometimes people say, well, is there a life out there? I I think there could be because my God is that big. (laughs) There could be other life. I don't think there's other human life, but I think there's other life out in the universe. I don't believe that Marvin the Martian is out there. I don't believe that. Okay, I'm not going to go that far. But I do believe that, you know, there are other planets that, that, that life exists out there. That there's, there's a, there's a grandiosity about who God is, that he is the sovereign Lord. We can't even begin to grasp the full extent of the phrase, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Most of the time we, we just think, well, God created the earth, right? And we go into the six days of creation. And that's kind of what we focus on. But it says there that God created the heavens, right? There's a whole unknown, unchartered, a whole existence that honestly I believe as humans we'll never fully know until we get to heaven. An existence, a creation that our God existed. Your God that you pray to is that God. Everybody hear that, right? Have faith in that knowledge. We can't understand the fullness of it. But in the beginning, who was there? It was God. He alone was there. Before there was oxygen, before there was coffee, before there was donuts, before there was tacos, before there was grandbabies, because I'm going to be a grandpa. Amen? Woo! I had to put that in there, Mom. I've been holding it in for like three weeks, and it is not fun not to tell people that my daughter's going to have a baby. It's awesome. I'm super pumped about it. Got the little picture, you know, and I say, oh, baby, and points at this blob. I don't know what that all means, but we're going to have a blob here in nine months or so, right? In March. But before all of that, before the joy that we got, before laughs, before the expelling of oxygen as we laugh, there was God, right? There were no political systems. There were no social networking sites. There was God and God alone. And he was this creative power that was in full force doing mighty things. When we read through Genesis, creativity rules the context of everything that we're reading about. I mean, who can make that up, right? You know, and it's God and his creativity that as you're reading through the days of creation, 
You know, on this day, God created this. On this day, God created this. He spoke and it was good, right? This is our God. This is the God that I'm talking about this morning. Man, I get a little bit excited about my God who created everything. Because I understand that if I go to him, he knows the answer. He has the power. I don't have to walk around with my head down. I don't have to pray weak prayers. I can move to little places like McLeod, Oklahoma to be a pastor and be secure because I know God's got me, right? You guys don't have to walk around. Well, Daniel sure preaches a long time, I guess, you know. You can walk secure today knowing that your God created the heavens and the earth and he's got us. You remember when uh, you were a kid and in your Sunday school, places like that, you would sing this song. He's got the whole world in his hands, right? God's got us. When you pray, that's who you're praying to. These, these disciples, they didn't grasp on to you're good enough and you're smart enough. Gosh darn it, people like you. They didn't grasp that in their prayers. They didn't pray a prayer like, well, today you are going to be powerful and you are going to be this. No, they focus on who Jesus is, on who God is. God, you're the creator of the universe. Are you letting that wash over you a little bit this morning? I pray, this is, this is my goal, that every morning when I get up, that I'm not focusing on, man, my back hurts today. I, I turned 46 here in, a, in this coming week, right? And it's like, I've reached the age, I don't know if some of y'all can relate to this, it's like, okay, what's going to hurt this week, right? When you get up, is my toe going to hurt? I mean, like weird stuff. Like, when did that happen? I, I didn't used to have pain at all. But it's every day, right? But our God of creation it's who we pray to. But we don't have to get up and just pray about our, our pains. And get me, guys, I think God wants to hear our prayers. If you're having pain, if, if you're dealing with something in your life, God wants to hear that. But your overall prayer, the, the, the goal of your prayer isn't about yourself. It's just like worship or reading scripture. It's not about us. It's about the glory of God, right? I equip myself with scripture not to make Daniel more known or whatever. I equip myself with scripture because it's the truth. In the beginning, there was just God. There was just his majestic glory, his majestic glory that was creating the heavens and the earth. There was this one God who was actively creating life. And guys, catch this out. He created redemption for you and I because he knew he was going to mess up. That from time past, God knew, well, I'm going to create humans, but they're going to mess up, but I'll create them a way out and then we'll clean it up and everything will be good. This is the will of God. This is the work of God. This is the God that we're calling. This is the God who makes us one. This is the God that is calling you and I to draw closer to him as a church. You know what? I look around this and there's all kinds of ages in this group. There's all kinds of different people. We have different likes and dislikes and everything else. But the thing that we all have in common is Jesus. And so as a church, we have to be people who just say, you know what? We're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to focus on the Lord. We don't come to church saying, well, man, I hope, hope this is true. Or I hope this is true today. We come together and we say, God, we just come together to glorify you because in the beginning, you created everything. And that's who you are. You're a sovereign God. And the second thing I would say is that God is not just a God of creation, but he's a God of revelation. Everybody say revelation. Revelation. What does that mean? Well, he revealed himself to us. If you're hearing today and you're a believer in Jesus, say amen. God revealed that to you. That wasn't your own goodness, by the way. You did not reach a point in your life where you say, you know what? I'm good enough and I'm just going to be a good boy now. 
No one ever has reached that point. The Holy Spirit of God comes to you, convicts you of your sin, and you say, yes, Lord, that's it. That's scripture. It's a work of God within us, a revealing of himself to us. God is not just a God who created everything and spun the world and said, well, see y'all later. No, he's a God who also revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ, by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the God that we speak of. Remember in Luke where the disciples were out in this boat and Jesus said, I'll catch up with you guys later, right? And so they're out in this boat and a big storm comes up. And they're they're on this boat and they're scared and they're like, oh, we're all going to die, you know? And then all of a sudden they see a ghost on the water, right? They thought that Jesus had left them and they're like, well, we're all going to die. This was worth it. And so they're on this boat about to die in their minds and here comes a ghost upon the water and Jesus quietens the sea, right? His very voice. That, back to the last point, that voice of creation calmed the sea and then they were saved. They thought he was a ghost. They thought they were going to die. But that calmness that we see in Jesus is that same calmness that we can know today. He's revealed himself to us. I preach Jesus because it's not historical. Even though we know from Bible school, Jesus can be historically proven, archaeologically proven. As a pastor, I stand up here today and I tell you that spiritually, I know that Jesus exists today because I have peace in my life. I have peace in my life. If you're, if you're struggling with peace right now, it's probably because you're running from Jesus. It's probably exactly what you're dealing with this morning. I'll tell you, that's 100% what you're dealing with. In my time as a pastor, I've had people come, man, I'm just, I'm always just like, it seems like I'm always in an uproar and I never can find peace. I'm never all this. I was like, when's the last time you prayed? And they're like, uh, uh, that's always the answer. Uh, when was the last time you studied your Bible? Uh, I think people will often study their paychecks. People will often study the newspaper. They will study the news, but they do not study the word of God and they wonder why they have problems. They do not focus upon this God of creation and they wonder why they have problems. Your peace will only come when you know the prince of peace. That's simple. That's simple. And these guys in that boat, being tossed to and fro, they didn't know peace. And the reason they didn't know peace is because they weren't focused on Jesus. But when Jesus came on the scene, that just clarified everything, right? You and I today must be a people who understand that Jesus has revealed himself to us. If Jesus has revealed himself to you, say amen. Pray like that then. Be a person who prays, God, I understand you've created everything. God, I understand that you have been revealed to us. A.W. Tozer says that the reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't come to the end of themselves yet. (laughs) They're still focused on themselves. Those disciples, they were focused on themselves. They were focused on their boating skills, right? The last week or so, I've been watching this show. I, I bet there's other fans of it in here. The Deadliest Catch. Has anybody ever got into that show, right? I love the deadliest catch. You got a bunch of guys who go out into the Bering Sea and they're out there catching crab. Like I've considered going and joining a crabbing boat before. You know what I mean? It's like it's had that effect on me over the last 10 or 15 years. And these guys are out there in the middle of the sea and there's little control over whether they're going to die or not. I mean, honestly. 
They could die just like that. The sea could swallow them up. These disciples thought that was the same boat they were in. They thought they were going to die that night. And their, their hardest working seafaring skills could not save them. But there was one person who could save them, and that was Jesus. And church, I want you to understand that Jesus has been revealed to you and I today. And if you're struggling in your boat of life, look out there and seek Jesus. Follow Jesus. He is the one who's been revealed. He is the creator. The last thing I would say this morning is the idea that he has been the God of incarnation. Incarnation, we usually hear that only around Christmas time, don't we? Emmanuel, God with us. But truly, Jesus has revealed himself in person to you and I today. He wasn't just incarnated to bring, you know, some kind of cool story about. He was incarnated because that's what it was going to take for you and I to be saved. We couldn't do it on our own. There was no amount of animal sacrifice. There was no amount of good on our behalf because we can't do good anyways. But there was nothing that we could do to be saved. It took Jesus being incarnated, coming to earth, and dying for you and I today. And if you want to understand something in your prayer life to give you a little bit of mojo today in your prayers, understand that Jesus is the answer. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he means it. There is no other way. There's no retreat you can go to. I, I had a friend in college who wanted to get closer to God, and so he, he decided to go for like a summer. Um, he goes to this, this monastery in New Mexico, and he goes to this monastery, and he's going to go there and just take a vow of silence for like an entire summer, right? And I remember he told me about it, and I was like, man, that sounds really cool, you know? I mean, this was back in Daniel's early days of Christianity that I would light candles and pray because it was holy, you know? In my room, I just wanted to feel like a holy person. But, but I remember he was going to go and go do this vow of silence, and he goes to it, and he comes back from it. And I, I said, well, th- did you get closer to God? And he said, no. He said, the only thing I had happen to me was there was a crow that came every evening up in the windowsill and he talked to me. <laughs> I was like, what? He said, yeah, literally this crow would come and talk to me. And I was like, did you get closer to God? No, this crow would talk to me. That's like all he got out of it. He was hallucinating. He liked to talk a lot too. There's no amount of work that you and I can do to get closer to God. It, it's understanding that God has been in, the incarnated God for you and I today. Christ came, that guy's catch this, Christ came that you and I might be changed. That affects me as a Christian because that makes me super thankful. Like I know, I realize, I know not everybody in the world realizes this yet, but because God loved me and I have been convicted of my sin, I have turned from it, I've been converted, so to speak, right? When I think about Jesus, I'm just overwhelmed with thankfulness because I'm real, I realize I'm no different than, than any other Joe or Jill or whatever in this world today. That it's, it's about knowing Jesus, the one who was incarnated for you and I today. Because he did that, we have life. My prayers aren't just prayers. They're not just, you know, something I throw up just so, well, here we go. The Lord wants to hear prayer, so I'll just give a prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you for this day. Bless this day in your most holy name. Amen. I mean, our prayers are designed by God to be very intimate. And they're based on the fact that he's creator. Everybody say amen. That's what we believe here. They're based on the fact that he's revealed himself to us through revelation. Amen. 
He is real. He's incarnated. He's not just a God who was up there spinning the top and said, well, see y'all later. No, he actually came down to earth, walked these, these miles. We were talking earlier. Y'all wonder what we talk about when we pray before service. Most of the time it's dumb stuff. It's Taco Bell jokes and poop or something like that. That's usually what we're talking about back there. But this morning we were talking about, I wonder how many miles that Jesus had on his feet walking this planet. How, how, how many miles did he walk? We said that, and when we come out of that room, I was just sitting there thinking, God was really incarnated through Jesus so that I could know him. Like, he did that for me. Christ came that we might be changed. And I want you guys to catch this. To miss that aspect to miss who Jesus truly is, it's really to negate the power of his incarnation. It's not just a Christmas story. It's not just something that feels right to say, but guys, it's the truth of who we are today. I preach today not by my own power, but I preach because Jesus came. I preach because Jesus was revealed to mankind. I preach because Jesus was the creator who was there in the beginning and there wasn't anything created that wasn't created except by him, right? It impacts my prayers. These, these disciples, these followers of Jesus, their prayers were impacted by knowing Jesus. Their daily lives were impacted by knowing Jesus. And when you get to the end there, it says that they came together and it says they were encouraged and the whole place was shaken and they were filled. I know we're Baptists, but hear me out. They were filled with the Holy Spirit's. Which, by the way, it doesn't say they were dancing around like chickens and speaking in tongues either here, does it? It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says they begin to speak and continue to speak the Word of God with boldness. If I was to ask the church today, how many of us want to be bold in Jesus? I don't think there's a believer that's trying right now that says, you know what, I really don't want to be bold. Well, our desires may be to be bold, but guys, let's not negate the fact that we need to be people who pray and we read the word. That we pray and we read the word. These guys were doing exactly that. When they were praying, they were also basically quoting scripture, right? God, we pray to you, the sovereign Lord, who in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. They were playing Genesis 1-1 at that moment. They were praying about, about Jesus who came. They, they prayed about David and his, his, his problems. David and his thoughts. They were praying scripture specifically because they knew who they were praying to. And as a church, let's not be lukewarm. Let's not, let's not be the church that's just like, well, let's just come together and we'll just kind of do stuff. But let's be a church that comes together in power. That we come together with, with a fire that can only be lit by the Holy Spirit, a work of the Holy Spirit that gives us a boldness to continue proclaiming the gospel. We continue to proclaim it. And we be a people who pray the right way. That may, we may have these seasons of refreshing. These people had a refreshing. They'd just been in prison. They'd just been in jail. They just had a, a real fear of death above them. Actually, they still had a fear of death above them because they knew things weren't going to change. But they went ahead and they prayed anyways, and it says they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Church, I pray our prayers aren't just time fillers. They're not just traditions. That I pray our prayers are 
empowered by the Holy Spirit, that God may be glorified for, for our good and for his glory. To wrap up things today, I, I, uh, I want to go back to, if, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, we've been studying through this idea of revival, praying for change. Uh, we've been talking about prayer. Last week we talked about right reading of scripture, right? And we were in Psalm 119. And Miss Evelina, I've been on Psalm 119 all week. Like I can't get it out of my head, right? And we were reading through Psalm 119, uh, just a little passage there. And we were applying a, a method of stu- studying scripture called SOAP. I'm sure y'all have probably heard of it before. It's not anything new. I didn't create it, but I thought, man, this is just something to help us sharpen and hone our skills. SOAP is basically, it stands for uh, scripture. Everybody say scripture. Observation, application, and prayer. That when we read scripture, that this is kind of how we're approaching it. We're not just like, and the lucky scripture for today is boom. And then you just read that and then you go about your day. But rather you're setting down and you have uh like a, a focus on that scripture. You're reading the scripture, you read through it, you read through it again, you read it out loud. Some people like to write the scripture down because it helps them. But they'll actually, on a piece of paper, they'll write soap and then they'll put the scripture. Sometimes we'll just write that scripture out right next to the S. On the O, they, they look at the scripture and they say, what am I observing? What's the scripture telling me? This off the top, historical, whatever. The A stands again for application. How can I apply this scripture to my life. And then it's cool because it all equals at the end to a little thing called prayer. Scripture focuses you on how to pray. The prayers focus you on how to read. It's like prayer and scripture reading. They go hand in hand. Look at this scripture. Psalm 119, starting at verse 97. It says, oh, how I love your law. I know everybody here likes laws, Right? Everybody loves pulling into town and that, you know, our speed limit goes from like 95 to 2, right? Everybody loves that. But the writer here, the psalmist here, when talking to God in much the same way that the, that the apostles were praying to God, he says, oh, how I love your law. It is the meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. Do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. I want to be that believer. And at the end of the day, what's Daniel writing about his life? What's Daniel writing about his, his view of God, his view of the world? This psalmist, I mean, when I was going through and doing my soap thing with it, I was just like, this is who I want to be. I want to be someone who says, God, I love your ways. I realize that your ways are better than any way that this world can throw at me. God, I understand that your ways lead me down the path that I need to go down. Lord, I pray that your ways will influence me so much that I'll look at the world's ways and I'll say, I hate those, I love yours. I pray that when I open the word of God that, yes, I know it's going to correct me and sometimes it's going to make me uncomfortable, but I pray my overall view, my overall opinion of the word of God is that it's sweet like honey. 
because I know even though it's changing me and I'm having to make changes, I realize that this way is the true way. And it's truly sweet, like honey. My prayer for us today is that we pray like these disciples. God, you are the sovereign God. We pray from a, from a viewpoint that we know that God's able to answer things, that God's able to take care of things. And even if God says no, then we know he knows better. So we're going to trust him anyways, right? He's the sovereign God of creation. He's the sovereign God who's revealed himself. He's the sovereign God who is the incarnate who came that you and I might have life. Apart from him, there is no hope. I pray our prayers. God, the word's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As we go into a time of worship and and closing this time, I want to invite you that if you need to come pray, I'm going to be up here. Come talk to me. If you need to pray after services, just come grab me and say, Daniel, I need to pray. Because one thing I believe about the word of God is that today, if you've heard it, it's going to convict us in some area. I'm up here preaching and it's convicting me in areas right now. Can you believe that? Can you believe your pastor's not perfect? The word of God convicts all of us. It, it sets all of us straight. And he calls us to, just to trust in him. You know why? Because he's the sovereign God. Our God is the sovereign God. And if we pray, it's going to lead us to scripture. And if we read scripture, it's going to lead us to prayer. It's like, this is who we are. Jody and I have been watching a couple shows lately and um, they they include a lot of uh, uh, folks who are Islamic, right? And in the shows, these, these people are consistently praying like all throughout the day, Right. There's certain things they don't do. And by the way, they're terrible people because they're never going to find goodness on their own, right? But, but they're, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to feel peace. They're trying to feel joy. They're trying to feel like fulfillment in their life by, by fulfilling some type of religious observance. These people never find happiness in that show. But for you and I today, if people can, can commit to doing something that doesn't even bring them power, you and I are able to commit to reading the word, to praying, to seeking God, and to be empowered to be a more powerful church. If, why are we doing that? You know, I mean, that's a, real, that's a really hard look on us, isn't it? God, why don't we grow closer to you? Why don't we seek you more? Why don't we trust you as the sovereign God? That's a hard look at ourselves, but I believe God's calling us to that. True revival is not going to start when we say, well, let's have a revival service. True revival is going to start when we say, God, I'm going to look at myself here. Leo Tolstoy, everybody knows this writer. He wrote some of these weird books I had to read when I was in college. But Leo Tolstoy, he says that the, the problem with the world is that everyone's wanting change, but they're not wanting to change themselves. I was reading that this week. And I was like, man, that's really good. Like from a life coach kind of perspective, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's true. Like the whole world, they want change, but they don't want to change their self. And by studying scripture, by knowing human nature, I, I understand we can't change ourselves. But guys, Jesus can. Jesus can change us. If you're a believer today, Jesus can change you. He can put you on fire for him once again. If you don't know Jesus today, Jesus can save you. The Bible teaches us that each and every one of us have fallen short of God's glory, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you feel God calling you today, don't neglect that calling. 
They're going to sing a line. I want to open these altars. I want you to come forward if you need to pray about anything today. Today's the day of of change. Today is the day that God's calling us. Do you trust God as sovereign or do you not? Pray with me this morning. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I praise you, God, that I can look at the examples of the prayers that the, the early church prayed, God, and sometimes our prayers are just really weak. God, I pray that we will look to you as the sovereign God. We're reminded that you are a creator, that you are the, the God who, who's revealed yourself. You are the God who is incarnate, which means that we can have eternal life because of what Jesus did. Lord, I, just those thoughts alone, it empowers me in my prayer life to know that you've got this. So Lord, I pray that everyone in this place, wherever they're at, that God today, they will leave this place trusting you as sovereign Lord. Father, would your Holy Spirit speak to hearts in ways that I can't. Would you speak to their hearts in ways that, Lord, will change them forever. Yes, this is your most holy name.